Uh, we can turn back to the chapter we read, uh, Nehemiah chapter 13, and we can think about the last verse of the chapter. Remember me, O my God, for good. Well, as we have seen, uh, Nehemiah has been governor of Jerusalem on, for two periods. Most of the book of Nehemiah is taken up with the first period. A few details are given about the second period starting at verse 4 in chapter 13. We know how long the first period lasted for, 12 years. We've no idea how long the second one lasted for. In chapter 13, we are given details of various problems that Nehemiah corrected. And these were corrected very quickly after he started his second term as governor. The only other detail that's given about him in his second term is this prayer at the end of, of the book. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. It's quite a remarkable prayer, isn't it? A few words. But a lot can be said in a few words. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. So I'd just like us to think briefly about this prayer. I want to look at, or to approach it, uh, from three points of view, if that's the way to put it. You can only pray according to who you are. And therefore, we need to find out what motivated Nehemiah. So I want to look at features of his character that he revealed in his terms of, of governing. What kind of man was he? And secondly, some features of his prayer. How would we describe this prayer? doesn't even take 10 seconds to say. And then thirdly, some things about the God to whom he prayed. What does this petition say about God? It says a lot about Nehemiah. But what does it say about God? So just think about these three things. 
features of his two governorships. And I think um, four things come out in his way of doing things. First one is that he had a desire for the security of God's people. I mean, that's obvious from the book of Nehemiah. I mean, that's why he built the wall. The wall was there to protect them uh, from warlike tribes that were marauding in the area. And therefore, he went out of his way to build the wall in order to provide security. So that's one feature of his character. He really cared about the protection of God's people. A second detail that comes out about his character from his two periods in, as governor was he wanted to serve God according to his word. We can see that in lots of different ways. And to us, we may wonder why so many details are given about them. Like the, the way he ensured that the Feast of Tabernacles was kept properly for the first time in history since the days of Joshua. As far as that particular requirement was concerned, he ignored every failure to keep it right down through all these generations. The opinions of his forefathers didn't matter a thing because all of them had failed to keep it. And therefore he was quite prepared to ignore what all of them said just in order to do what God said. And in that, he's a real challenge. But it was a feature of his life. And it affected his prayers. A third feature of his outlook was he expected God's people to live differently from others. And according to the requirements of the time, as was stated in the Jewish law, he therefore, as we read it even in this chapter from Nehemiah 13, he expected them to keep the Sabbath and also not to marry into the pagan tribes around them. He expected them just to live differently. And that's the third feature of the man he was, which would have affected his prayers. And the fourth feature was his practice of prayer. I don't know if you read, you probably don't, but maybe you do. Do you read political biographies? the memoirs of the great and powerful, 
what they record about themselves. Because Nehemiah, for the most part, is an autobiography. He talks in the personal person, first person. As for example, in there in verse 23, in those days also I saw the Jews. It's all, most of it's done in the first person. And it's interesting to see what people emphasize about themselves. What did Nehemiah emphasize about himself? Right from chapter 1. Prayer. When his brother Hanani came to see Nehemiah when he was in the palace of the Persian emperor in Susa, and he came back to Nehemiah with the report of the sad state of Jerusalem. What did Nehemiah do? Well, we know what he didn't do. He didn't just say, well, they must be terribly undevoted people back there in Jerusalem. He didn't say, well, God must be judging them for their lack of dedication to my will. Didn't do any of these things, did he? Instead, he prayed. And there in chapter 1, we got one of the uh, prayers, uh, prayers in detail in the Bible. And it is interesting that it occurs in an autobiography, isn't it? not just that we read it, but it also tells us that Nehemiah never forgot it, doesn't it? Because he, unless he had a daily diary in which he wrote things down, and people in the past used to write down their prayers in their diaries. And one reason why they wrote them down, of course, was uh, to remind themselves that they'd actually asked God to do something. And then they could just check and see how long it took God to answer their prayers. But Nehemiah, he prayed in chapter 1, and he gives us that prayer in great detail which kind of suggests he prayed it out loud. Because in chapter 2, with a, when he commits a great um, issue by appearing sad in the presence of the Persian emperor, because nobody was meant to appear sad in the presence of the Persian emperor. Because instead they were all meant to show their great appreciation of how wonderful life was under his rule. And nobody ever appeared sad in the presence of the Persian emperor until Nehemiah appeared sad. And since it was so unusual, the emperor noticed it and asked the inevitable question. 
a question that was sort of very threatening in its nature. I mean, why are you sad? And the Persian emperor doesn't, didn't give you a few minutes to answer his request. But Nehemiah, as we know there, before he answered, and he did answer immediately, but before he answered, he prayed. I prayed to the God of heaven. In this chapter itself, chapter 13, there's four of his prayers are mentioned in it. So in his autobiographical account, he brings back this point repeatedly, his prayers. It says there in verse 22, for example, Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. We're down in verse 29. Remember them, O my God, because they have desecrated the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites, as well as the one we're thinking about. Remember me, O my God, for good. So it was uh, the kind of man who made this prayer. A man who was concerned about the security of God's people and made it paramount in his own outlook. And a man who just wanted them to do what God said. Nothing radical about that. And a man who wanted them to live differently from those around them. And a man who didn't merely hold to these opinions, but who prayed. And that leads us to think about the features of his prayer. I'm sure all of us, as we look at his prayer, remember me, O oh my God, for good. We'll all have our own reactions to it. I have my reactions to it. And you'll have yours. I just, want, I just want to mention three. But there might be a lot more than three. The first one is, it's a very simple prayer, isn't it? And... I suppose that leads to another question. Why should prayers be simple? Or when should prayers be simple? I've often heard it said, and I'm sure you have as well, that prayers should be simple so that those around us know what we're praying for. And no doubt that's very sensible. But what if we're praying on our own? Does the fact that nobody else is around us mean that our prayers don't need to be simple? Nehemiah here, I suspect he's on his own. I 
Why should prayers be simple? Well, I think Nehemiah would say to us, we need to remember what we've prayed for. If, some, if we had to give an account every day of the things we've prayed for, could we remember them? You may think that's a rather odd question. But I personally don't think it is an odd question. What is the point of praying for something if we can't remember we've prayed for it? I'm not suggesting we should remember every single thing we've prayed for in life. But we should be able to remember each day what we prayed for each day. And Nehemiah's prayer here, it was just simple. You ever found yourself praying and you find yourself somewhere and you wondered how you got there? Haven't a clue how you got there. One reason might be the prayers were not simple. So Nehemiah's prayer is simple. It's profound, of course. That his words, well, he could say what they meant. A second feature of his prayer, of course, is that it was scriptural. And how is it scriptural, this particular prayer? Well, I think it's scriptural in the personal pronouns. Because prayer is a relationship. Remember me, O oh my God. There is a difference between saying, isn't there, remember me, O oh God, and remember me, O oh my God. There in verse 22, he says the same thing. Remember this also in my favor, O oh my God. And again there in verse 29, remember them, O my God. Personal pronouns, well, they're the difference about religion and between just being merely religious and having a living faith, aren't they? Psalm 23. I suppose if there was a survey, it's one of the most popular songs around, isn't it? In the sense of how often it gets used. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Isaiah the prophet says, O oh my God, I will praise you for you have done wonderful things. 
Apostle Paul says to the Philippians, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. It's wonderful to have God as a possession. If a person who owns a house never says, my house, you'd actually wonder if he owned it. That goes for anything that person has. And people usually are very keen to indicate what they possess. My God. The minute we believe in Jesus, he becomes our God. And of course, that's what Jesus stressed in the Lord's Prayer, wasn't it? Our Father. So Nehemiah's prayer reveals a lot about his grasp of the wonderful relationship he had with his heavenly father. Oh my God. The word oh tells us something too, doesn't it? It tells us that there was energy in his prayer. It wasn't just a correct sentence. He wanted God to answer it. It wasn't prayer out of duty. And I don't know if it's that speaks to you or not, but I think it's meant to. Oh. So his prayer was simple and scriptural. And it's also the secret of his success. Imagine what would have happened if he hadn't prayed at the different times he prayed. If he hadn't prayed when Hanani came back with his report. And he had just sat there and shrugged his shoulders and said, well, we'll wait and see. Well, if he hadn't prayed when the emperor said to him, why are you sad? And if he hadn't prayed about all the other things that he mentions in his book. And if he hadn't prayed the various petitions that he mentions in this chapter. It's the secret of his success. And of course, and we all know this. It's the secret of success in the Christian life. Little prayer, little success. No prayer, no success. Much prayer, much success. So Nehemiah's prayer tells us these three things, doesn't it? 
be simple and straightforward in prayer. Realize the wonderful relationship there is with the great God of heaven. And if we want to know success, we have to pray. And none of us has reached the stage where we can say we don't need to pray more. The God to whom he prayed. Well, who is he? Why does he keep asking God to remember? That's what he says there in verse 22. Remember. He says it again in verse 29. Remember. And he says it here again in verse 31. Remember. He's not hinting, of course, that God's got a selective memory or a bad memory. But he is interested in what does God remember? What fills God's mind, we might say? I mean, he is omniscient. But what really is the way for us to understand his mind? Well, we sang about it there in Psalm 105, verse 8. His covenant he remembered hath. That tells us that he remembers his plan. And he remembers his promises. Or in other words, he never forgets his plan. And he never forgets his promises. And we just speak to him about the things he remembers. Was always before his mind. It's good to know that we have such a God. I mean, this petition is almost an exposition of Paul's famous verse in Romans chapter 8, where he says, All things work together for good to them that love God. What brings about the working together for good? Well, lots of things contribute to that, but one thing that contributes to it is our prayers. I mean, Nehemiah never had the privilege of reading Romans chapter 8, but here this petition that he makes is very much in line with the thrust of that verse in Romans 8. I mean, if God works everything together for good, then we should ask him to remember us for good. And therefore, he remembers his great purpose. And we can speak to him as Jesus said, anything according to his will. So, we just say to him, 
remember what you promised. And hold him to it. He doesn't mind. He doesn't regard it as being flippant. Instead, he regards it as an expression of faith. Hold him to his promises. That's why he gave them. They weren't there just to appear in daily reading books. They're there to be in our hearts. Arguments to use with the Almighty. And Nehemiah here Ask God to remember. He also prays to the one who is powerful enough to, to act according to what he remembers. And I remember lots of things that I cannot do. And I'm sure that goes for everyone. We remember sad things, but we have no power to do anything to change them. But when we draw near to the Almighty, well, we're facing the God who's omnipotent. No one has ever seen the fullness of God's power. In fact, it's impossible to see the fullness of his power. Because whatever he does, he could do more. He can make one universe. He could make another million. And then he could make another million still. And keep on going and going and going. And upholding all of them. Without any effort at all. And that tells us, of course, that no one has yet ever seen the full answer to a prayer. Doesn't it? We are coming to the almighty God. Not only does this petition tell us that God remembers and God is powerful, that he can do good. I mean, Nehemiah realized, didn't he, that he couldn't depend on the people of Jerusalem. Despite the fact he had built them a wall, and despite the fact he had got them back to doing things the way God wanted them to do it, he actually realized that he couldn't depend on them to keep it going. He only went away for a short time, and by the time he came back, they had gone in all kinds of directions. So, the good that he had instituted, he knew that the only person that could keep that going was God. And he realized 
that all the efforts that he had engaged in, that they wouldn't last if God didn't keep it going. That must have been quite distressing for him. But he took his prayers to God and just said to the Lord, you alone, you alone can do it. And that's the best place to be, isn't it? Remember me, O oh my God, for good. You can think about good in the short term, mid-term, long term. The short term for Nehemiah, well, how long his second governorship lasted, we don't know. But put it this way. Just think of a refugee family who made sure that their son was devout. And when their devout son grew up, he managed to get himself into the highest places of power. And in the highest places of power, he instituted things that brought changes to the lives of the people of God. That's Nehemiah, of course, because he was the son of a refugee family. He lived in the days of Malachi. In the days of Malachi, then those who feared the Lord gathered together to speak about the things concerning his name. That happened because of the emphasis that Nehemiah had. And it is possible, as somebody has said, to trace it all down to these little groups that were meeting when Jesus was born. That's the midterm, we might say. And we're still in the midterm of Nehemiah. Because think of it this way if Nehemiah hadn't done what he did, what would Jerusalem have been like in the subsequent centuries? So it's a certain sense in which we're benefiting still in the midterm, the good that Nehemiah prayed for. But then there's the long term. Where's Nehemiah now? Remember me, oh my God, for good. What's the answer to his prayer? He's now perfect in holiness in heaven. I suppose that leads us to ask the question, what's our long term? Are we going to be when Nehemiah, remember me, O oh my God, for good? Or are we going to miss out on the good because we didn't pray, didn't pray for mercy, didn't pray for God to show his power? 
Nehemiah will get a great reward. One day we'll see him. Well done, good and faithful servant. It would be good of all of us would hear the same word. But of course we'll only hear it if we've done things to be recognized. Nehemiah did his bit. He did it very well. And we have to do ours. We just have to do ours. Shall we pray?